0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network oh
1: it's a goal you've got, got the assist hello so it's the end of game week one and we're here to pick over the wreckage of what just happened it's a fine line between success and despair in the first game week and with the most marginal last minute tinker uh, pre-deadline potentially having a profound impact on how you did i'm joined today of course by nick how are you doing mate Hey uh, Yeah, not bad.
0: Thank you. Um, watched a lot of football the last couple of days, mostly with a crying baby in the background, but enjoyed the football. Very glad to see the return of the Premier League and uh, the return of FPL as well. It was all very exciting. Um, just to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us online at the com. on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify. Soundcloud, et etc, so make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already so um, what are we talking about today, Tom?
1: Well, obviously, it's just the beginning. We didn't have very much data. But nevertheless, we're going to have a look at a few guys who did well and talk about causes for optimism in the choices we made after reflecting on uh, our team's Gate 1 performance. Uh, No one likes a moan fest, so we're going to keep it positive today. We're then going to have a quick look at some of the new signings from deadline day since the last pod and assess their potential impacts on the Premier League for the season to come. Uh, We'll then do our features, updating on the market forces. Uh, I know you're very excited about that, Nick. The Zombie League and the All England 11. And then we're going to um, answer a few questions from the community.
0: Yep, sounds really good, Tom. Yeah, unfortunately, I had to record this on a Sunday night due to um, other life commitments. So you get the content sooner, but the leagues are still being updated. So we won't be able to give full updates in terms of who's uh, top of our leagues. But uh, let's get on with it anyway, Tom. uh, How was your opening game week?
1: Mediocre, Nick. Mediocre. I think it's basically kind of what I was kind of hoping for, which is a little bit above the average. I mean, I'm watching the people get larry on Twitter. Um, lots of very very high scores out there. Lots of people in triple figures. You know, and Matt in our um on our Slack, I think he's ended up with a 97, 98. I ended up with a 62. Um, bailed out, really bailed out by Bernardo Silva and Benjamin Mendy, uh, in the Man City game. I'm very very glad that actually came off and Bernardo scored because I think if that hadn't have happened, then the, the game would have kind of gone below par. I think my initial aim always for game week one is to be kind of around the average, just above the average is okay. 60, uh, 62 is obviously a little bit below what I'd have wanted, but equally it could have been far worse. And it's a marathon, not a sprint, which I'm sure we're going to say quite a few times today. I think it's kind of, it's kind of okay. It's a base to build on. I haven't really got any issues with my squad, and I'm happy to kind of go into the next week with the same squad. And I think hopefully it'll be all right. What about you, Nick? Sounds all right. I mean, I guess it was similar for me. I would consider it a good start to
0: a season. You know, a, a start I probably would have taken if you asked me. Um before the game week started, but it wasn't a great start compared to some of the other scores I've seen. I got 68 points in total, and I guess I was bailed out in a big way by my um, offensive-defensive strategy, so to speak. With four at the back, um, I had Robertson get me 11 points, Van Aanholt 11 points, and Benjamin Mendy uh, with the 15 points, and that's where uh, the bulk of my points actually came from. I had Salah, like he was captain, who did all right, I guess, and a, a Jota five point, but the rest of my team blank so you know 68 points is is pretty good for a start but not you know up there in the, in the top 100k which which would obviously would have been brilliant if i could manage a score in the high 70s or the high 80s even
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is at this point is that one data point doesn't make a trend. And I think that there's kind of a lot of people who are looking at their team and they haven't quite done as well. I mean, obviously, they wouldn't have piped up as much, but they maybe haven't done as well as they wanted to do. Um, but I think today, you know, we're going to just talk about our teams a tiny bit, but maybe talk about some C- some key decisions and why, no matter what you've chosen, there's probably going to be cause for optimism, because after all, you've put your team together with some sense of logic, unless you are an completionist, in which case you probably wouldn't be listening to Who Got This list Anyway. Let's talk about kind of the causes for optimism, despite the fact that things haven't really worked out. Uh, I'm going to probably kick us off, with that. that's all right, Nick. I'm going to kick us off with uh, with my Liverpool choice. So where you and lots of other people went for Andy Robertson, I brought in Virgil van Dyke. And obviously the, the first goal for Mo Salah was assisted by Andy Robertson. And uh, there's me with Robertson written down for a long time during pre-season. I'm going to have this guy in. I, I went on to van Dyke thinking, well you know it was something about security of start something about differentiating a little bit from everybody else Seems to have Robertson and uh, the fact he hasn't scored yet in the Premier League kind of uh, despite having lots of shots on target or attempts at least and uh, made me kind of think well I, th- I think he's due a goal something's going to happen here I know that Mark Sutherland's also felt the same so I don't feel too bad about it but when uh, I saw the assist for Robertson I just thought oh my god I can't believe it it's already it's just happened again straight away that I've kind of just backed the wrong horse early doors.
0: Yeah, I guess when the heat dies down, um, you know that Van Dijk is um, a solid pick. Someone that's going to play week in, week out. And the Liverpool defence looks um, a lot better now. They've got Alisson in goal as well. Um, He started off with a clean sheet, six points. I guess you've got to be happy with the return of a clean sheet, at least, from Van Dijk. With me... I backed Robertson, he was a player I talked about all summer as um, you know, a very attacking defender. We all know he, he finished off the season with um, a brilliant eighteen pointer return, which was which was absolutely brilliant and and he looked on form generally um, in the second half of the season, looks nailed on for um, a start as well, because I think Alberto Marino just I don't think's really going to challenge him for game time. So I I, I like Robertson and I'm backing him and I think he's I'm really glad um he's in my team. I was tempted actually by um Trent Alexander. Arnold, quite close to deadline, who's at 1.0 million cheaper. And um, a lot of people kind of dropped Robertson for TAA and he got five points because he got a yellow card as well. So I do feel sorry for um, those that backed him. But causes for optimism, if you do own Alexander Arnold, was that he seems to be on um, set pieces. He took a very nice free kick, which nearly went in the top corner had um, Fabianski not saved it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He looked very offensive and I was going to say, like with Van Dijk, exactly what you said there, he is a solid pick overall. It's just kind of a pairwise comparison of this particular game week. Hasn't really quite worked out. The other things I think we should mention if we're sticking with defenses that obviously some people, uh, including yourself, got very, had a very, very good week in terms of Crystal Palace defenders. PVA for you, I think, got 11 points, didn't he? Yeah, he got 11 points and he could have had
0: more actually because he, he did score, but it was offside. Oh, so um, was I was very happy with um, PVA. We all know he's doing bits on Twitter and it's a great start for him this season. Um, sticking to the theme of Crystal Palace defenders, I'm sure you're about to mention Wan-Bissaka, who's, who's sitting on most of our benches at the moment and he got 12 points, which is, which is a brilliant start for him. But I guess, um, I don't know about you, but I was never really considering actually starting him. He was in my team because of his price, which is 4.0 They've got Liverpool up next, but I think a lot of people probably will be drafting this guy in, which means if you do own him and you benched him, you might get some price rises out of him. So there are some um, causes for optimism and he did look good as well. So he's a player that potentially you might get points from in the future as well if you do own him.
1: Exactly. He and Peltier are basically 4.5 defenders who are functioning as 4.0, saving you a whole million. Um, despite the fact that Wan got 12 points and was first on my bench, in reality, on the Friday, I mean, there were a couple of occasions before the last problem when we spoke about the golden rules, and one of them being don't bench your premium assets. There were a couple of occasions when I did have a draft team put it onto Twitter, put it onto Slack, and have Mendy on the bench and Wan are actually on the pitch. Um, I'd have lost out, you know, three points doing that, but I think it would have been very kind of like very frustrating to the I'm less frustrated this way around that I've got Wan-Bissaka on the bench. Like, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight and 12 points being there, a bit annoying that I've got Ben Davis, for example, with two, but there's no way I'd ever ever played bissaka with Ben Davis. Like, that's just ne- that would just never have happened. And it, the cause for optimism here is that you have a, great, a player who, um, you know, after the Liverpool game does have a very good run of fixtures and does cost 4.0. So you can play wan happily in game weeks three, four, five, six and seven when they have Watford, Southampton, Huddersfield, Newcastle and Bournemouth and then game week eight against Wolves as well. Um, so you've got a very positive thing there, despite the fact it's on your bench, you don't see those points this week that for the early part of the season, I can't see him going anywhere from Roy Hodgson's team. I can't see, you know, Joel Ward having a game because of how good he looked in that particular match.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, mentioning Ben Davis, I guess it was tough for both of us because he ended up being the only Spurs defender um, to not return attacking points this game week with even Aurea chipping in an assist. But um, like like we mentioned, causes for optimism are Spurs' fixtures. We all know Ben Davis is quite attacking. He was getting into the box. He was looking dangerous. He was unfortunate not to um, actually get some attacking returns or a clean sheet in that game. We know they've got Fulham at home next. Um, and he, he definitely could get points in the future because it looks like Danny Rose is, well, didn't even make the bench and is, is definitely um, out of Pock's favour, so he looks pretty nailed on as well.
1: Yeah, exactly, and you've got Ben Davis's... Uh performance last season there's four to six chances created top of the chances created for all defenders despite the fact he didn't seem to I watched the game before I went to the wedding actually despite the fact that in the game he seemed a little bit subdued I think that hopefully throughout the course of um, the next few kind of game weeks will really kick in as you said without Danny Rose being there there's definitely cause for optimism. Moving forward to the midfield, then Nick, I think a lot of people did. You know, some people did a- absolutely call it correctly and have kind of Vicharlasen plus somebody else there. Um, however, for for other people, you know, people were looking enviously at the fact that Neves got the uh, got more than ten points, whereas Jota came with just an assist. Uh, you had people, you had people like me who played Kearney um, over Wambasaka and that kind of thing happened. If you do have this kind of issue again, remember that you know one data point isn't a trend. I think there are a lot of causes for optimism with Joseph still, though. Um, he looks a bit nervous on his first appearance in the Premier League. However, he is going to be potentially the guy who carries balls forward. I think in some ways. And at six point five, you no, know, if there is anything happens next week, I mean Richarlison, who a lot of people who a lot of people did obviously see a lot of joy from, um, he seemed to have limped off a little bit as well. Um, so you can always do some. You can always kind of have him for one more week, see what happens against Leaky Leicester, and then move him on. Fairly easily, um, so it's not the case that you should uh, be too upset with Joe for getting his assist. At least he got something. Uh, there are many other kind of six point fives who didn't return, despite the fact that they uh, they were backed. Um, you know, people like Madison, people like uh, Ryan Sesenyon, and um, people like Um These players didn't do anything, um, so you you know take what you take take what you can get from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll take the uh, the Joe to assist for sure, five point return um for his first uh, match in the Premier League and like like we mentioned in pre-season we had him sort of pegged as um, a potential talisman for Wolves. Um, and yeah, he, he did look OK. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll stick with him. And uh, I trust I trust in him in my team. Um, I also had a uh, guilty Sigurdsson. Unfortunately, he was uh, he was substituted early um, after Elka decided to um, end his Everton career by lunging in uh, to Jota in, 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 in quite a dreadful um, tackle. But um, I guess with Sigurdsson, I, he seems nailed. He's still... You know, I punted on him over Richarlison because I kind of, I saw in, you know, Richarlison it was quite interesting. Like, obviously a lot of people backed him and I nearly did bring him in. I was tinkering with Richarlison right at the end of the season. I remembered his his numbers and the fact that in the last 19 games of the season, he had 37 goal attempts um, and didn't manage a single goal. Ironically, he started the campaign now with two, goal, two goals from two attempts, which is always sod's law, but... You know, I still um, I still have a bit of faith in Gilfie. Everton's fixtures in the short term are brilliant. They've got Southampton, Bournemouth, Huddersfield and West Ham up next. And he does seem sort of nailed on in that sort of attacking midfield role. And he's on the set pieces and he's on the corners as well. So there are causes for optimism that um, Gilfie Sigerson can press on and, and get some attacking returns in the next few game weeks.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are always going to be these players who are outliers on game week one and when there's not really much to suggest, they're going to do something. For example, Luke Shaw had never scored a goal before he scored the winner for Manchester United. And, uh, well done to people who did back him, obviously. That's, that's a great return, 11 points from the 5.0. Um, however, you know, you can always kind of think, well, OK, I missed out on that, but there was not there was kind of the reasoning behind not owning Luke Shaw was sound. And obviously, I had De Geo, who only got three points, that heartbreaking final goal by uh, by Ratface Jamie Vardy in the 90th minute—a a rude welcome back to FPL, I suppose. I think there's a couple more to come talk about. So, I own Mares. Do you own, own Mares as well, Nick? I have Mares in my yeah, team. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was a bit peeved that he he got the substitution in in the 57th minute. Um, and I, I feel sorry for those Cedric owners as well, even more sorry, because they missed oh, the very unlucky if you own Cedric. But yeah, Morris got substituted early. But I think with Morris, I think he's definitely going to play a key role, like you said, with your Bernardo Silva pump, which which um, was a great success for you. So well done, Tom, I must say. Uh, the fi- the fixtures are The fixtures are brilliant for Manchester City. They, in the next six game weeks, they play the three promoted clubs, from last season, and three promoted clubs from the season before, which uh, is quite an <laughs> exciting run for um, us city owners. we both tripled up um, on Manchester City, despite the tough opening fixture with that in mind. So despite the Mahrez one-pointer, uh, I'm happy I'm happy with him. I don't think Sane um, particularly good when he came on anyway, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mahrez, um maintains his starting position for the next uh, game week, and even if he does come off the bench. Like you said a lot um, in the pre-season with Bernardo Silva, if he comes on for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, he's still, there's still quite a high chance of an attacking return in these types of fixtures.
1: Exactly. And the fact that he was standing over a lot of the free kicks and a lot of the corners can only bode well. I mean, all it will take is one or two of those to to find their man and you've got an assist Um, took, took one that took a free kick didn't he and almost scored you get the feeling with Mares that returns aren't very far away especially if he does have that set, set piece monopoly, which he does seem to have when he's on the pitch remember that um it wasn't Kuniguerra standing over one free kick at one point and he got waved away so Mares could take it I'm interested to see what happens when KDB's back on the pitch but him and uh, hopefully you know Mares is only going to get stronger from here rather than weaker despite the fact he was taken off after 57 minutes or so the final thing is the strikers. So many people have noted that Callum Wilson, with eight points, despite the fact he missed a penalty, was the highest scoring striker this week. A lot of us are looking at our strikers and we'll have some questions about this later thinking, well, why did I not invest big at the back? Well, you know, there were some articles out there, weren't there, Nick, which were suggesting that the strikers were perhaps not looking value for money. I held a Bamiang I had on and you know, neither of them really paid off. You know, a lot of people backed uh, Kun Aguero. And to be honest with you, I was um, very, very worried for that City game, expecting a Kun goal to come, which never actually did come. So a little bit relieved there. However, there's a lot of people you know sitting there with two points from their strike. You know, you're Josh King that did not taking a penalty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think, again... It's worth holding fire in terms of rash decisions and trying to move these guys out. There are a lot of very tricky fixtures uh, for Game Week 1, probably one of the trickiest Game Week 1s have have for a while, adding in the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty about World Cup returnees, which it now seems... It, with the benefit of hindsight we shouldn't have been worried about at all um uh, but you know you've got Arnautovic who now has um who now has Bournemouth if you had Zaha you at least got some points for that goal and he's got Liverpool got decent fixes after that Aubameyang hopefully Chelsea will uh will we'll let him have his goal and um, you know, if he had Lacazette that's probably a little bit more worrying that he was benched for Aubameyang um in the game today with Kun Aguero, those fixtures are so good that you're going to have to accept if you have decide to go down that route of owning him that you're going to have a little bit of rotation with Jesus but you're going to hope that in the time that Quinn is on the pitch that you're going to see because of the fixtures some return. So,
0: Yeah, I think the case is that all of us, you know, blanks, you know, I'd be surprised if any of our listeners scored more than sort of 10 points from their forwards this game week. Uh, Maybe if if you own Callum Wilson, you might be happy. But the rest of us have strikers. We all score two points with our forwards or one point if you happen to own Harry Kane. But I think, you know, the cause for optimism, we're all in the same boat here. You know, none of us did very well. If you've got Aguero, if you've gone big up front, maybe stick with Vicks. You know these guys are solid performers. It could easily be next game week that one of them nets a hat-trick and you'll be laughing whilst all our defenders lose their clean sheets. So, you know, it's only one game week and we'll see
1: what happens. Yeah, it's often cool to know nothing. And uh, unfortunately, at the moment, we're just here to reassure you that it's all okay. Don't pay too much attention to the fact that those people are going to be piping up with having a massive score. Those people are most likely never going to be heard of again on Twitter. I promise you. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Okay, let's move on to looking at a few of the new guys who have joined uh, the Premier League since the last time we spoke. So I think this is quite an interesting one in terms of just looking at a few players that perhaps are going to be of interest to us from the new signings. I mean, there are some people, for example, Zambo Anguissa who signed for Fulham that maybe aren't going to ping on our radars. But there are a few players who are going to ping on our radars. And I think the first one to talk about is the, uh, the urban myth, the mirage, the legend, Yeri Mina. He appears to actually be a real player who is actually going to be cited playing football in the Premier League and not just in the transfer room of pages. So he's joined at Everton, 5.5 million. He signed a four-year contract as well. And he's come out on the press yesterday and said that he'd die for Marco Silva, which has got to be quite encouraging. Uh, What have you dug up on Mina, Nick? Yeah, I think Yerry Mina is definitely a player that I'm quite excited about
0: um, joining the Premier League. Probably out of all the deadline day signings, he's probably the one actually of most interest to me. I think... A lot of us obviously know um, Yerimina from the World Cup, where he actually found the back of the net three times in three appearances and was the first South American to score three-headed goals in in the World Cup. And that's because he stands at six foot five and uh, has pretty amazing aerial prowess. I mean... To be honest, like in terms of his actual um, career outside of Brazil, he hasn't achieved much um, in terms of the top six leagues. So he's still relatively untested as as a player. He never really played much for Barcelona, but I'm still very impressed by um, his potential. And I think now how uh, elka has got sent off, and he's he's not going to be challenged for that central uh, defensive slot. Let's say so. Um, yeah, Yeremina should be nailed on, and with Everton's really good fixtures, he's someone that perhaps uh, people should be looking at as a premium option um, in the defence
1: absolutely and as a Siggy owner you've got to be kind of quite excited by the fact that you know Siggy's dead ball delivery plus Yeri Mina is probably gonna be a very good thing as you said he scored three goals from three games at the World Cup he won 4.7 aerial jewels per game which was second only to a slaphead Harry Maguire as you noted know, he only played four games for Barcelona but his international record 15 games six goals for Colombia shows what can happen if he is given that priority on set pieces I saw on Twitter uh, at the legend Mito who's a Colombian and quite a nice guy actually he wrote that Mina is terrifying on set pieces, and he explains that what happened with Barca was that they bought the wrong guy. He's not really a ball-playing defender in, in, the, in the way that Barcelona wants him to be, but he's someone who's more than capable of sitting and defending very, very well. So once up to speed, I think we both think he's going to be quite a decent signing in the Premier League and probably going to be one of those, like Van Dyke who will probably at some point or other pop up with a goal. And you've got to hope that if that is fairly consistent, especially with the quality of Siggy's deliveries, and that's something to be very positive about.
0: Moving on to um, another we'll stick with Everton another one of their signings Andre Gomez and another Barcelona signing I mean he, he's he's only 5.5 million but in, in 16 appearances at Barcelona he, he managed zero goals and, and zero assists and considering um, the side he was playing with you know when he was playing alongside the likes of Messi and the, you know the likes of Suarez that's, that's, that's a pretty poor return to be honest I think at his price 5.5 there's better value out there he's not really a player I'm looking at you know obviously if he starts netting goals then I I will look at him but I think he's definitely someone just, just to avoid for now
1: Absolutely. So he's one of my kind of football manager favourites. So when he was at Valencia back in 2015 16, um, I used to buy him fairly often. A very creative, good first touch. A bit of an advanced playmaker, but I agree with you that there's a lot of warning signs in terms of his overall career stats, which don't particularly uh, encourage me. So only 12 goals and seven assists throughout his entire career, which is pretty worrying, really, considering the quality of profile he has. Um, he seems to be another one who kind of did the Scott Sinclair, went to Barcelona and never really played, although obviously Valencia are a bit bigger than uh, than Swansea. It'd be interesting to see where he fits in as well. Is he an alternative to Siggy, who's just been kind of bought in on loan, just to add to the numbers, or is he going to kind of be back in the central pivot alongside Gay with Schneiderlin dropping out? It's very difficult to tell, but I agree with you that I'd be a little bit uh, pessimistic about that one. One person I do quite like, though, is Bernard. He's a very small man. Uh, he's five 5'5", five, he's an AML, and he's an uh, inside forward. He's one of the ones that we, we quite like. He's got quite a decent record in the Ukrainian top league. He's scored a goal every, every three games, uh, 14 goals and 24 assists in, in his uh, career at Shakhtar Crazy Dribbler, pace to burn if anyone's ever played thief before you know that just give it to him on the left wing if you need to get someone through on goal and uh 1.5 shots per game in the champions league in his career it'd be interesting to see obviously he's not going to have that much strength though so it'd be interesting to see how he adapts to the premier league he's one that i'm, I'm willing to watch and wait for maybe he will be th- kind of thinking he's never been this far away from home that's not particularly right for him but equally he could be absolutely excellent with that pace and that could you know see him land very well in the premier league
0: yeah, for sure, Bernard's um, an interesting option. He scored three goals in eight games in the Champions League, so he has proved that he can he can play against um, opponents outside of Shakhtar Donetsk. He's also a Brazilian, international, having played for them fourteen times and scored one goal. Like you said, he's quite diminutive, but um, he is quite pacey and dangerous. And and uh, you know his opponents will not like to play against him. I guess he's going to be competing on the wing against the likes of Theo Walcott and uh, Rashardson, but. He's probably um, he's probably going to you know be ahead of Walcott in terms of um, being only twenty five. Walcott starting to show his age and losing his pace a little bit. He's probably going to and to break into that starting eleven at Everton and could definitely be a threat.
1: Yeah, I think that star quality is going to be there, isn't it? It's a shame for five point five Lookman, though. I did quite like look, the look of Lookman when he did play last season, but you what know, uh, one that remains to be seen. It's always useful, as you spoke about on the last pod, to think about the fact that. that these teams need to have a squad these days. And I think like that's kind of what's happened there. Let's move on to a returner to the Premier League. It's Jordan Ayu, Nick, your man, Jordan Ayu. Six million, he's been given a price rise from last year's price. A bit of a best-in-noir the for you, wasn't he? So he scored seven goals, got two assists, 108 points last season. That's about three points per game. Vague remember, he scored his last goal around April and then he blanks for the final five matches, didn't he? I think that was the time you had him in.
0: Yeah, I actually had him and he, when he got sent off as well. So oh. I got a lovely, lovely minus two uh, points returned from him, which which wasn't great. But Jordan I was um, really up there in terms of the, when I did my points for value article we at his price of 5.5, is actually the best points for value for forwards um, with a score, including appearances, that was, with a score of uh, 21.6. And he's definitely uh, an interesting option. I don't know if he's someone I'll necessarily be rushing uh, to bring into my team. Now he's 6.0. Especially um, considering, you know, he is a forward and I, I'm a little bit anti-forward these days. But um, yeah. at, at Palace, you have to compete with the likes of Ben and Teke and, and Solov uh, for a starting berth alongside Zaha. So it's quite a little bit of competition uh, for places as well at that Palace team.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of, the kind of the, one of the players who did move in the transfer window, obviously not new to the Premier League, but one player who um, I think we're going to see a little bit more often is Danny Ings, came off the bench for Southampton. And it sounded like, from the feedback on Twitter, that a lot of Saints fans weren't particularly impressed by Charlie Austin's performance. A little bit worrying for the, uh, the All England team, although obviously the swap is, is viable. But, you know, he went to Liverpool, obviously. He's another person who kind of Scots Sinclair'd himself a little bit. But 2014-15 with Burnley, who are arguably the same sort of level as Southampton despite the, despite the finishing last season 11 goals 4 assists 139 points back in 2014-15 at a similar price point as well if he is the key man to Southampton that's the way it's looking it's going to be and um, he's definitely one that you'll be thinking well that could be decent and worth a pun when Southampton do have good fixtures between game weeks 22 to 26 for example they play Leicester Everton Crystal Palace Burnley and, and Cardiff so there's definitely kind of scope to find a place to fit Danny Ings and your team and at a 5.5 I think you know that's a decent enough punt if he's starting to show some form by that point even if you are kind of quite down the forwards like you were saying Nick if you do need to save like you know 1.5 1.5 on 7.0 and then then he could be a place to go and just hope that he does kind of return every now and again
0: Yeah I'm a big fan of Danny Ings I think he's he's pretty good and at that price point it's it's quite a kind price for him as well considering his potential. I mean when he played for Burnley in the Championship he netted 21 goals in 40 appearances and then in his first season at in the Premier League at Burnley he also showed that he can he can perform in the Premier League and then that's when he um, he moved to Liverpool and unfortunately he also um, suffered quite a nasty injury Injury meant, which meant he's uh, pretty much been laid off for the last few seasons and and barely played any minutes at all. He's he's got his move now to Southampton and he he looks fit and he looks raring to go. And if he can rediscover that form when he played for Burnley, then he definitely is a decent pick at at 5.5. And and yeah, like I said, it's a very kindly price point for Danny Ings. He's not 6.0, he's not 6.5 like some of the other third strikers that we're kind of, you know, a bit anti at the moment. So I think, you know, he's he's definitely uh, got the potential and if he, if he does start performing then a lot of people will look to him and bring him in
1: absolutely uh, you know 5.5 that's, that's pretty decent going back to a different position Kepa, uh, the new signing for chelsea the record goalkeeper signing available for 70 million in december sold for 72 million almost in the uh, <laughs> in august you know, Compared to Alisson, he's not the, the, the previous record holder. He's not quite the same sort of goalkeeper. Alisson has a very high pass accuracy for a keeper, at 83% versus Kepa's just 67%. A few less saves than Alisson last season at 2.29 saves. per, uh, But a 5.5 and a route into the Chelsea defence, which is historically fairly strong. Um, you could be looking at, you know, I, I know a few people, for example, Tack in our little group took, took the plunge on him. And there's quite a few kind of processions of, of fairly good fits for Chelsea. For example, over Christmas, between game, with 17-22 but do not play any of the top six teams um, so he could definitely fit, fit into many a wildcard squad could be brought in to just kind of plug that Chelsea defence gap if Sarri ball does kick in and they do look pretty solid back there
0: yeah for sure I think that's the main point with Kepa I mean he's already played once in the league and got a clean sheet under his belt so you know they bought they spent a lot of money on him he's clearly a very talented goalkeeper that they see a lot of potential in otherwise they wouldn't have invested in that much money in him I mean he's the same price as Alisson and Edison and and like you said Tom these are more established goalkeepers the the thing about Alisson and Edison is um, a lot of us already tripled up in Manchester City, or tripled up in Liverpool, and you know I don't have any Chelsea coverage at all at the moment, so Kepper could be a, a, a good way into that Chelsea team at quite a cheap price, only 5.5. If you are looking at covering those Chelsea clean sheets, and I think I mentioned on one of the other pods that Chelsea defenders in the last uh, few seasons have basically always made the um, the team of the year. So uh, you know I think it was about literally about seven Chelsea defenders in the last four four seasons or something ridiculous like that. I said. Last pod, so Keppa
1: could be a a good way to to cover Chelsea and that defense at um, a
0: reasonable price
1: absolutely and the fact you know I've got De Gea for example so moving down to Kepa and if Shaw keeps playing at five million then I'd buy him as my man nice defender and something I've got a lot of money freed up so yeah definitely a lot of options there and quite a good prospect I think Um, moving on to a couple more uh, a couple more players then uh, first one's Alfie Mawson come back to, he's come back into the Premier League with Fulham Um, obviously he didn't start off very well against Palace 5.0 injured right now one of those players who um definitely gets up there and definitely always seems to threaten Um, but you Six goals in the last two seasons in the Premier League. Uh, two goals, one assist last season. I think I owned him towards the end, actually hoping for something that never quite happened. 0.7 shots per game. I think that there is probably a chance if Fulham do stay up and Fulham do have a good run of fixtures that he would he would kind of fit into people's sides. The problem is is that Fulham don't really have like there's a lot of. A lot of teams do have kind of a little kind of run, a purple patch of fixtures. Um, We'll talk about Newcastle in a second. They've got a very good one coming up a little bit later on. Fulham don't seem to have that. They seem to have a lot of kind of hard fixtures interspersed with easier fixtures. So it might be one of those that if you do, for whatever reason, want a 5.0 Fulham defender as a rotation, it could be quite useful. But I don't personally think that I'll be looking at Mawson really. Uh, What about you with him?
0: Yeah, I think he's he's an interesting um, case. He's he's obviously 5.0, but that's because he's, he's shown um, attacking threat in seasons past. Last season, he scored two goals for Swansea. Um, and then the season before, he scored four. Um, he, it's interesting because Fulham have actually basically bought an entire defence um, this summer in, in their sort of spent £100 million spending spree. Because they've also picked up Callum Chambers at 4.5. I think you were going to talk about Joe Bryan, who's also 5.0. He's another one I've, I've looked at. You know, analysed at least because he scored five goals in the championship for Bristol City last year, and and looks like quite a dangerous attacking fullback. And they've also taken um, Timothy Fossumensul on loan, who's four point five. I think for me, I don't know if I'd want to spend five point zero at the moment on a Fulham defender. So if I was to look at some, one of their defenders, it'd probably be Callum Chambers, um, who's the cheapest. Um, probably the cheapest way into that defence and also uh, looks relatively strong in the air and has scored in the past in the Premier League but um, yeah I think um, we're full of defence I'm not I'm not certain I'm not you know I'm not going to back them at this moment in time even though um, with all the spending and some of the quite strong defensive midfielders they have as well like like Seri in their team they, they could do very well this season
1: yeah, I mean, uh, Jakanovic has said hasn't he? he's not going to compromise in the way he plays. He may want to rethink that now he's lost uh, 3-0 in the first game. Uh, Joe Bryan, he mentioned five goals, three assists last season, one shot per game, 0.8 key passes and crosses per game, which is actually quite encouraging. That's about 130, 140 points if we do the prospects in the prospects. Um, he could definitely one new figures, especially if uh, Jakanovic does manage to make his attacking uh, template work in the Premier League. However, as you said, it's quite a worrying thing to be investing that much and he'd have to make a pretty compelling, case to be brought in. Moving on then to another Bet Noir, my Bet Noir Um, Salomon Rondon 6 million, signed for Newcastle Nick, are you buying him in straight away? No, I don't think so, I think he was perhaps the inspiration for my
0: uh, death of the third striker piece as (laughs) much as the uh, the guys at FPL family, uh, are, are big fans. I, I don't know about Rondon. I mean, like the Newcastle fans seem relatively excited and and we're looking forward to a uh, new signing coming on the pitch, which I found a little bit um, entertaining, to be honest. But as a Spurs fan, I was scared slightly as well. So you know, he does have that effect. He is obviously a dangerous player in the air and he can score. So you know, I I can understand the appeal of Rondon. But as an FPL asset, he's he's not someone that you know I, I would I'm looking to <laughs> to invest in anytime soon.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, for people who don't know, I signed him after his hat trick of headers versus Swansea in December of the 2016 17 season, I think it was. Interestingly, he was only the second man ever to do that. The first man to do it was Duncan Ferguson. He then went on a seven game run of blanks, which was absolutely fantastic. Every game we just. Useless, useless asset, and I took him out for Lorente, who was playing for Swansea at the time. Who had a whole game, and he uh, Lorente got taken off in the 30th minute. So there you go. However, he averaged eight goals a season in the Premier League over the last three seasons, and Newcastle between game weeks nine and eighteen embarked on a run where they play none of the top six. But I'd be looking probably at Kennedy at that point. Um, Newcastle made a couple of other signings as well. Muto, uh, maybe he'll silence the critics, but he's only scored 20 goals in the last three seasons in Germany. And uh, Federico Fernandez uh, came from Swansea as well, uh, 4.5. Again, one of those players who has been, I'm sure, on everybody's bench at some point during the past or been played and invariably let everybody down at some point during the past. Um, But another one who is uh, interesting uh, yet again to see in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I think Fernandez is one of those sort of mainstays. I guess um, lurks on the bench in many people's teams. He's going to add a little bit of strength and depth to the Newcastle back line, especially with uh, Lejeune being injured, and can be a cheap cheap way into the defensive. If you're so inclined to back them, like you said, there's a, a decent run um, later on in the season for Newcastle. They've got very tough fixtures at the start of the season, actually, but the fixtures do improve. So maybe we will start looking at a Newcastle defender after game week five.
1: Yeah, I'll probably look at Lascelles or Shah, the um the new Swiss, the new Swiss fella. He's quite he's quite good, and he's also a penalty taker, which is quite interesting. I doubt he'd actually be on penalties for them, but he's one of those players I have signed on FM as a penalty taker in the past. Uh, the final players talk about is probably a player you weren't aware of. It's uh, Benza, uh, who's 6.0 and he signed for Huddersfield. I saw him and I was like, "WTF? Who is this guy?" he's been brought from France from Montpellier he's got 8 goals and 22 uh, starts and 16 off the bench last season he's an attacking mid- on the left specialising in dribbling and long shots apparently and not a single assist last season all he did was make and take chances for himself um, so it's really another Sadio Mane it is Huddersfield at the end of the day um, he could be a, a feature in teams during the, a fairly decent run for them between game week 10 and game week 22 when they only play uh, Man United and Arsenal of the top 6 last season so they're a very nice run of games at that point where you'd expect them to pick up the majority of their points for this season.
0: Yeah, I think you've covered everything I know about this player, to be honest, so I don't really have anything <laughs> else to add. Um, I think um, he's obviously the replacement for uh, Tom Ince, um, who, who was top of our selfishness matrix uh, last season. Yeah, Jury remains out whether Mbenz will be just as selfish as uh, Tom Ince, considering he you know didn't uh, get a single assist in the French League last season but he's only 22 years old you know it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to the Premier League and and what's likely to be a a challenging season for the Terriers
1: yeah but let never be said that Romance is dead he could be that kind of wild card player who comes in and takes leave by storm okay Nick let's take a break there and we'll move on to the features who got the assist who got the assist so, we're back, and then we're going to talk through our features. Um, this is obviously every pub will be doing these as three little sections, uh, three little things that we'll be keeping up to date with throughout the course of the season. The first one to talk about is market forces. It returns for a second series. This is our section where we use FPL NTI data to describe the movers and shakes in the transfer market. And Nick is the man who's across this. What have you been noticing this week, Nick? Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to uh, to bring market forces back. It's becoming
0: a, a certain time honored tradition, isn't it, of the uh, who got this, this podcast. Um so let's start with um, some of the players that are being purchased this game week and, and the first one, as always with the start of the season it seems, um a DMC is is the first major wagon and it's uh, it's Ruben Nevis this season. He um he's five point zero. He's um already had over a hundred and thousand uh purchases, probably going to be the first price rise of the season as well. I think last season we saw it with Shaka the year before. We saw it with Etienne Capoue. And often these these wagons are short lived. But I, I guess whenever there's the possibility it could be an exception, you know. Um he could break the mould and actually be a, a true FPL asset that um enters all of our teams by the end of the season. He's on free kicks. Um he, he obviously scored a brilliant free kick it was brilliant assist for the Jimenez goal. And um he's only twenty one years old this guy. He's Clearly, extremely skillful on the ball, and, and definitely could be a, a leading star for Wolves. I guess the um, the downside, I guess the the other side of it is in the in the championship, he only actually managed six goals and one assist, and also got eleven yellow cards. So it is possible that this just could be a dream start for him that's short-lived.
1: Absolutely, it could so easily have been Jota. I imagine, although uh, I think it definitely is the case that us Jota owners did they, they get lucky. So at the beginning, with just the assist. Um, However, you know, a lot of the Wolves fans spoke about him in glowing terms. And as you said, with the set-piece monopoly, he was one of the reasons why I was considering him for a little while before eventually going on to Jota. So, you no, know, it, it could be a flash in the pan, or it could be the start of uh, a bit of a bandwagon for this season, which could keep running and running. Yeah, for sure. Um, also being purchased is um, our man wan
0: And that's probably because he's only 4.0 million. I mean, he's turned up with an assist and a clean sheet. Um, and 12 points he's a bargain for his price Um the downside I guess of people that are deciding to buy him in is that they do have Liverpool up next so it's quite possible that he can you only get a zero pointer after a 12 point return but it might be that people are bringing him in and, and looking to you know upgrade in other positions perhaps as you know very early minus fours which uh, is not something we'd recommend it seems it seems a bit to bring in Wan-Bissaka on the on the basis of one performance seems um you know a bit knee-jerky for for me to be honest but you know like as a Wambasaka owner I'm happy for other people to own him because he's, he's likely to get price rise as well out of it
1: Absolutely. Um, despite the fact that he is 4.0, we noted, didn't we, before Crystal Palace had even played, that uh, 2,000 people had seen enough and brought him in. This was on the, on, after the Man United game on the, on Friday night. Um, so, yeah, interesting to see that he's uh, he's definitely attracting a lot of owners because of that value point. And it's kind of one of those victories for the FPL community in a lot of ways, because we saw that. I think the majority of teams that uh, are on Twitter do have Wamba Zaka in them. So I think we can all kind of share in the proceeds of that rise there.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, So third in our list is um, Luke Shaw. He's the third most transferred in player with over 83,000 transfers at the time of recording. I mean, I think he was actually sparking a little bit of interest just by his performance, even if he hadn't scored. Um, It was 11 points from him. And I guess it would have been higher, actually, if United had not lost their clean sheet in the last minute. Um, Much of the triggering of... um, De Gea owners and Eric Bae owners. But um the thing about Shaw is that I guess Ashley Young is expected to return. Uh Valencia's also going to be back from injury quite soon as well. So there's there's a bit of competition for those fullback places. But um, you know, Darmian was pretty terrible. So even if Ashley Young does return next game week, he may be shuttled um, onto the right back. So I, I'm not sure about those that are transferring Shaw. If you did bring him in game week one, uh, well done, because uh, you've obviously got a brilliant return. But it was also the, the first time he's ever scored in his Premier League career as well. So it was a bit of a, you know, it might be a one off for him as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Although he was pretty, fairly attacking, wasn't he? Over the last few seasons, I think I've had him. I've had him a couple of times, and he's been he's been all right. But he is just one of those players that you expect the is going to turn on quite soon. So, <laughs> and I I probably exercise caution there. Fourth and fifth on the list, the midfielders, aren't they? Nick, we've got Rashardison, then we've got Pogba.
0: Yeah, both had already uh, 70,000 transfers in. I think Pogba was a a surprise returnee in game week one. He took the penalty as well, um, which suggests he might be on pens. So there was a bit of an animated discussion uh, with Alexis Sanchez prior to the penalty being taken, which suggests perhaps he won't be on pens. We don't know for sure. Um, He's only 8.0 million. So he's actually... uh, relatively cheap for who? what could be considered a premium midfielder uh, last season he managed six goals and 13 assists so he's perhaps quite lucky to only be priced at eight point zero million and not and not get a price rise from um, his performances last season and he was brilliant in the World Cup as well for for France it has to be said so I think there's I can understand why there's a lot of interest in in Pogba as a possible quite cheap way into the Manchester United midfield and they've got Brighton up next and quite a decent fixture run um with Richarlison We've talked a fair bit about him on the pod already. He only had two attempts and got two goals from those attempts. And he he was a bit off the second half of the season. But he's back with Marco Silva. He looks in form. Perhaps he's been working on his finishing. But he's also carrying a knock. So it's, it's quite interesting. People are backing him despite the fact he's got a yellow flag.
1: Yeah, exactly. And with uh, with Pogba as well, the, a few cryptic tweets that went out afterwards saying, you know, he'd be fined if he said what he really thought. It's the case that he's with Mourinho and kind of thinking, well, every day I love you less and less. And I think that that's probably what is, uh, what would uh, be a bit of a flag for me in terms of bringing Pogba in just because you, if you have an unhappy player who's making noises like that, then, you know, the, the transfer window is still open for, I'm not suggesting he's going to be sold in any way, um, but the transfer window is still open. So there may still be some agitation there. Um i will be a little bit worried about that for now. Moving, I guess, to the sellers then, Nick, is a, a, a few ruffians on parade, aren't there? And uh, the, the top one is uh, Song Her Min, who uh, a lot of people bought for some reason ahead of game week one.
0: Yeah, I guess there's going to be an angry mob selling him right now. All those that didn't realise that he's heading off to the Asian Games in a bid to avoid military service. But um, I mean, he made a substitute appearance in game week one, but he's not actually going to be back now uh, for a fair fair few game weeks. So, um, yeah, those that um, brought him in for their starting um at the start of the season is looking slightly foolish now because um, he, he's gone and he's not going to be back for a while. Unknown return date, as F- the FPL website saying currently. Yeah. So yeah, 70,000 people have uh, transferred him out and then, yeah, Looks like he's going to have a price fall on the back of that as well. Also being told he's a fellow teammate, Kieran Trippier. Perhaps a surprising one I guess, because I expect he will actually be back. He's not flagged or anything. He didn't start the game, but probably because of his World Cup travails. But Like I mentioned, Noria looks pretty terrible. So I'd expect him to start against Fulham at home next game week, but I can understand perhaps if the owners are looking at the likes of Robertson, the likes of Mendy, the likes of Alonso and PVA and these um, defenders that got really big scores this game week and looked really dangerous. And they're looking at Trippier thinking this guy's not even played Um, and, you know, they're knee jerking him out for these ones that got returns. So it is a little bit knee jerky, perhaps.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, with Trippier, because Aurier got that assist, I can see why people are a bit worried. I mean, Trippier last season was second to so his teammate Ben Davis for chances created for defenders. And obviously, during the World Cup, he was uh, the most creative, I think the most creative player of the tournament, actually. Um, so, yeah, I can see why there's optimism to begin with, but I probably wouldn't have brought him in uh, early on. Uh, speaking, staying with the World Cup as a theme, uh, Dijan Lovren and uh Jesse Lingard have uh, been sold as well uh, 30,000 people have uh, more than 30,000 have sold Lovren more than 25,000 uh, people have sold Lingard. Um the final guy actually did play who's been sold by a lot of people it's Ryan Sessegnon 22,000 people have sold him already.
0: Yeah, with Cesson on, I guess it was a bit of a punt for those that backed him. He's got 9.6% ownership. He, he didn't look um, particularly impressive in his first um, week in the Premier League against Crystal Palace. And now he's got the tough fixture at Spurs. And with um, other 6.5 million midfielders getting attacking returns, like Richarlison is the um, obvious um, swap that people are probably doing. And, and also Pedro and Jota uh, racking up an assist as well. Probably a few people are making some moves um, in that manner.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we'll have a few questions about transfers later on, but thanks a it, That's uh, always useful and gets more and more interesting as the season goes on. Moving on to the zombie league then, and this is where we check on the progress of our shambling zombies run by unspecified family members who live at our address, of course. This is our no-chips, no-transfers, no changes league. Anyone violating this will be booted unceremoniously. (laughs) And thanks to all of the spotters on uh, on Twitter who have mentioned to me a few people who have committed infringements. They're no longer in the league. Um, I'm opening this up for one more week For stragglers, I've seen a couple of people have asked me, can can I join? If you had a a zombie team from game week one that you've adhered to the rules for, you can join. But I'm going to close it after game week two. This will be it. The code is 280665-58277. And yeah, let's talk about our zombie teams, Nick, while the uh, the league's kind of uh, warming up a little bit. Unfortunately, everything's still being calculated right now. How did you do in your first week as a zombie?
0: Yeah, so I got 65 points, um, which is actually very close to my actual team, only three less. I'm kind of glad in a funny sort of way that the zombies um, were outperformed by my main team because I saw a few people on Twitter saying, I did rubbish and my zombies did brilliantly. (laughs) Yeah, I had Mendy in there as well. He was probably the big performer. I I think I mentioned I I didn't actually change my team from the last pod. I said it was subject to change, but I never got around to changing it, partly because I didn't have the passwords and I was returning from work. So I missed the deadline. And any chance to actually change it. But um, (laughs) it was the defence that performed for me, unsurprisingly. Vitonian got me 11 points and Mendy with 15. I got five points from Louise and Keane, whilst my attack, um, the likes of Kane and Anatovich, didn't do very much at all. So you know, sixty-five points. I'm um, um, apparently two hundred and fifty seconds at the moment in the league, which is a, which is um okay, I guess. And um, I would also like to mention, um, yeah, thanks to everyone that's joined the league. I know there's been lots of interest, lots of people on Twitter. Um, I know the guys from FPL Planet also did a podcast, um, where they set their team up as well. So, yeah, thanks, guys, um, and, and best of luck uh, for this season.
1: Yeah, cool. Thanks, everybody, as well. Um, I, I got 45, unfortunately. um, A little bit different. My team, actually, my real team outscored my zombie team, so I'm a bit happy about that. Edison and Ben Mee were the two people who got me the most points. But my defence were the key engine for my 45 points. So I was Piliqueta, got a clean sheet. Pereira for Leicester, assisted Jamie Vardy last minute, uh, which I only remembered afterwards. And I was a bit, you know, I, I'd i have preferred the Davide hair clean sheet, to be honest, than the four points of my zombie team. Um, going forward, it was an absolute car crash, though. Uh, Kearney, Ericsson, Gross and Kevin De Bruyne and or who's who was the captain, all blanked, and Jota and Firmino uh, got assists. Um, so a bit of a slow start for my for my zombies. I'm apparently about eight hundredth in the zombie league, which shows that we seem to have quite a lot more people than I thought in the zombie league. Maybe about a thousand, which is very very cool. Thanks very much, guys. I guess that after I've removed all of the uh, all of the interlopers who haven't read the rules, I expect that number's going to dwindle a little bit.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And, and yeah. Um... Thanks, guys. Um, shall we move on to the final uh, final regular section, which we're going to be doing week in, week out? And that's the All England team. And uh, as we said, it's, it's celebrating the Free Lions achievement of the World Cup. And we're going to be running a team from start to finish with solely English players. And I know, Tom, you said you made some last minute changes. You brought in Kane and Ali, uh, which um, I guess added a bit of strength to what was um, looking a pretty terrible team, actually,
1: to be honest. Ali definitely was a bit of a saving grace. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out for the uh, the All-England team this week. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Bertrand and Tarko um, came away with clean sheets. Uh, But Pickford, Morrison, uh, Cessignon, Austin, uh, Captain Josh King, Kane and Townsend all blanked. Mm -hmm. And so it was only Telly Ali's nine points, which was a bit of a saving grace. Again, around kind of the 40s, 41. So not the best start for them. But they do have 6.5 million in the bank and James Morrison to come on next week, which is going to probably see them do a little bit better. It is a bit of a poor start, but there are some limitations in the fact that our midfield was absolutely terrible and Chris Smalling didn't play. You, you probably assume that that might be one of our first transfers out, Nick, I think, getting rid of him. The prospects are rosier next week, as I said. Um, we've got Harry Kane and we've got Adele Ali playing Fulham and probably will be an early Kane captaincy here. But, yeah, uh, it's a bit of an indifferent start for them as well. But money, the money's there in the bank, and I think that maybe we'll see Jamie Vardy coming in soon for Charlie Austin.
0: Yeah, I guess trawling through the uh, top performers of the game week, um, perhaps Luke Shaw is someone that you could be bringing in in the defence um to get rid of Mike Smalling, who obviously didn't perform, you've also got Callum Wilson, Josh King's teammates, who's another possibility. In, um, he was one of the only strikers to actually score a return this game week. So he's another option, um, I guess. And, and like we mentioned, Danny Ings on the pods could be someone you'd bring in a little bit later as well. Isn't Callum Wilson Scottish?
1: anyway no. uh, let's move uh, 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 <laughs> uh, on oh, oh, sh- anyway let's move on um okay uh, that's great so that's our that, that rounds of our features and obviously we've only got one week at the moment but next time we'll be able to call out a few more people doing well on the zombie league and um, but for now we're going to let that kind of settle down for a little bit who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and um, the first thing
0: to talk about, I guess, is the mini league. And if you haven't joined already, our main league code is 516-441. Like with the zombie league, the site is still updating, so we can't really provide a full update. But I guess that's probably for the best considering uh, having looked at the mini league. There seems to be a few multiple accounts out there and and uh, the top people have all been as uh, do their bench boost early but um i did see that there are a few people out there that did get um triple figure scores so if you did congratulations and uh we'll be uh closely monitoring the league uh, week in week out throughout the season
1: yeah exactly i mean there's a few people who for example captain Sadio Mane that's a fit trans uh very well done there mate um but there is uh, a little bit of an influx of uh, of teams who also appeared in the zombie league who all appear to start with letter a have a number after them and all have kind of uh, rng names and i'm not too sure whether i removed these guys from the actual main league they've all gone from the zombie league but I- i'm fairly sure they're probably gonna be the same person behind them all <laughs> so uh, it's probably for the best we're not going to give an update right now on these guys right uh, let's move on to the questions and uh, nick uh, thanks every uh, ever so much for all the questions from everybody I'm really sorry if we're not be able to get to anyone we try to group more together into themes to kind of give our views i uh, I think it may be fairly obvious what we're about to say on a lot of them the first question kind of theme is making changes generally um fpl death star asks what are the circumstances people should use to um to make a transfer because most of the time in game week one um you don't really tend to want to make a transfer for game week two so so what would be the factors that would make you do that chris butcher asked if there's any bandwagon worth jumping on neapolitan beast also asked that as did four leaf um so making changes generally then nick i think i've already given my point that Normally we wouldn't really be looking to make changes, would we? I think, you know, you put your team together for a reason and most of the time we kind of look at it and think, right, there's those injuries or suspensions, I'm not going to change it till game week three and kind of stick with what I've got. Um, But what are some of the factors which may cause you to, to make a change?
0: Well, obviously, if I had a player that was injured or suspended, then I would definitely think about transferring them out. If you owned, for example, Yedlin, he looked like he's going to be out for a while. Um, Perhaps you'd look at another 4.5 million defender or you'd look at the likes of Wan-Bissaka and and make a transfer like that. I think for me, and I think we talked about this earlier, is I'm looking to roll. I set my team up uh, for a reason with the next few game weeks in mind. The fixtures are all quite strong for my team as well next game week. So... You know, there's no one I'm looking particularly to sell. I think um, also if you own Richarlison, it's kind of a watch and wait here. He is flags, but it's worth waiting to see um, if Marco Silva actually rules him out in the next press conference because you don't really know if he's injured or if it was just a knock or what exactly the situation with is with him. So if you own him, perhaps you're a little bit worried, but it's definitely a watch and wait, no need to rush. I think with the with the early bandwagon, so like sort of Shaw... Sure, the likes of Neves, we've and the likes of Charlson as well. We've already highlighted that there's a few negative, um, you know, issues with these types of guys. So I don't think
1: there, there really should be a rush to to bring them in. No, I mean with the gift of hindsight, two, three seasons ago, you should have bought Riyad Mahrez straight away. For example, we can't know that right now. There's not enough data to support the fact that you should be jumping on the play. I mean, as you said, if there's someone injured, someone suspended, then obviously that's a move to make. However, I do on the side of caution at the moment. Obviously, fortune does to some extent favour the brave, so you might, if you do, jump on Nevers and get rid of Kenny, get something from that. But for now, you know, I'm guessing what people listen to this have set up their teams for the first kind of three or four game weeks at least, and I probably stick to that plan rather than kind of being feared into making a change just for having a few adverse results on the first game. Next question then: Death of the forwards? FPR Lonesome asked: Is four five one now viable given the uh, given the, for- the poor performances uh, that we saw with forwards? And I think specific questions as well. So some people mentioned Josh King, uh, Tommy and uh, Cabango Adiola uh, mentioned Josh King. Uh, should they get rid of him? And couldn't uh, Agüero, uh, Kerry Dovey, Countryman, Andrew Yee, Matthias, and many others has asked about him too. So. In terms of the forwards, we have mentioned them already, Nick, but what are your views on them? And you know, should people be as worried as they seem to be, given the questions we've received tonight?
0: I mean, I guess um, it's only one week, so we should uh, put things into perspective a little bit. But the state of the forwards in the game is looking quite bad. And, uh, and I think maybe there is a case for a 4-5-1 with, um, you know, obviously just like the one premium striker and then and going big at the back and having a, a strong midfield. I mean, I, I think there's almost a the case you could go for a 5-4-1, but if I advocate that too much, I predict a riot. So I think, uh, for me, I think I'm going to stick with uh, my formation, the 4-4-2. Um, I think, you know, having a, a premium striker and a secondary striker the likes of Tosin or Zaha or an um I'm, I'm still going to settle with that formation and, and watch and wait. But I think... Um, after this one game week, we've had nine uh, defenders score double figures, and not a single striker. So, if, if that remains the case um, all season, then we are going to see uh, forwardless teams with just just one man up front and and uh, premium defenders. Uh, you know, you could have a you could have a very strong back line with like the likes of Alonso, with the likes of uh, Robo, with the likes of Mendy, and that would be that would be a pretty decent setup, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we mentioned that um, investing in the back line is a good thing early on, but I don't think we quite expected this sort of return. Like Maybe we we're expecting you know, clean sheets and the odd assist here and there, but certainly not uh, defenders being in double figures and uh, outdoing forwards to such an extent. I mean, throughout the course of the season, it happened last year as well, didn't it, when defenders did start off the season very, very well. And then throughout the course of the season, we then started pushing money forward as those players started to emerge, get into form, et cetera, et cetera. You know, with Conaguero, with for example, I mean, I've given, that, given my reasons already for why I didn't buy him but with the fixtures that there are at the moment you've got to accept the fact that there's going to be a bit of rotation but the fixture is so good that you might as well keep hold of him unless it is you know Unless the rotation threat with Jesus just becomes all too real and you've got to kind of reprioritise, perhaps on a wild card as well, given the premium nature of him. Uh, with Josh King, I mean, I, I think that part of that's just a bit unlucky that um, he didn't take the penalty and Callum Wilson did. By the looks of it, it was just because Callum Wilson grabbed the ball first. You got very unlucky there, frankly, and as did we with the All England 11. So uh, it might be the case of watching and waiting with him. You sign these players for a reason, you put them in for a reason, stick to your plan, stick to your gut, and uh, respond if. When we do have a bit more of a trend, when we do have two or three game weeks worth of data, then you can make a probably a better decision on that. It's probably also is the same answer that we'll give to FPL Chelsea who asked us whether we sell off Mares or not. We've both spoken about him already the, right at the very top. Final question this week is about injury-prone players. Um, so there's a, a very good question from Rafi. He's mentioned that Pereira and Fraser, both players who, are, um, who performed very well this game week, Ramsey as well, was noted for playing a fairly advanced role despite being hooked before the 60 minutes. Um, with players who do have a fairly extensive injury history. You know, Jack Walsh is another player too. Are we interested in them or do our in- the injury records put us off?
0: I think you have to be put off a little bit by their injury records. I think obviously Pereira's had a great start to the season. I think he might have actually been the top scorer this game week. Um so he's definitely one to watch, though his injury history isn't great. But um, you know, he definitely could be, you know, he could do a Riyad Mahrez, as they say, or a Josh King and uh, you know, be a top-performing midfielder this season. He is. He came from Juventus. He is a player that a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people I respect within the community have talked um, up, despite never really performing in the Premier League. So he's definitely someone that you could watch this season and, and could be good. Um, the likes of Ryan Fraser, he's, he's shown potential in the past as well. And I know he's someone you owned last season <laughs> and, then, and he did terribly. And he, of course, this season he goes and scores in game week one. So, he, I mean, these he, are players that are worth watching. You know, Ramsey, uh, is all, he's always, um, you know, a decent option at his price point as well. But, you know, like, I'm not going to rush to bring him in. I'm going to, you know, watch and wait, as they say, and if they seem like they're, you know, in really good form and they're they're fit and they're performing well, then then, you know, why not pump on them? I wouldn't be put off by their injuries,
1: histories. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um I mean with with, uh, with Ryan Fraser and Matt Ritchie both returning, I was a year ahead of my time, wasn't I Nick? I started with them last season in the in my team. And with Pereira, the one thing to watch out for is if you are watching and waiting and maybe game week three for the Palace game, you think, yeah, I'm gonna buy him in. Bear in mind, maybe we've then got Tottenham and Man United in game weeks four and five. So a lot of this is going to be very fixture-based in terms of whether these players are of interest to us. And, uh, you know, Aaron Ramsey, for example, when Arsenal do get past the Chelsea game, Arsenal, uh, between game weeks three and ten, don't put any of the club in top six last season. So that's uh, obviously a very encouraging time and maybe a time, you know, when he's certain at 7.5 or even Mkhitaryan at 7.0 could be, make, could be making entry into our teams. But yeah. With them, I watch and wait. The injury record is obviously something to bear in mind, but they are of that kind of price bracket. that you, you know They're going to be very easy to move on if something does go wrong. But I wouldn't go into them thinking, yeah, this is a free transfer basically committed for the future. If there is a case there that they have got enough games under their belt, but it's definitely something to be mindful of, I suppose. But I don't think that should ever be a reason to kind of completely put you off um, owning a player. Okay, cool. There's a theme to every pod. Last week it was, of course, Michael Jackson, and uh, Andy Penman got there first. Very, very well done to everybody who did who did spot it. Yeah, I think we we shuttled in
0: quite a few terrible puns that game week, like we do this week, and um, like we do every game week. But uh, it's all it's all part of the fun of doing the podcast. Uh, just to reiterate, who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on who got the assist dot com and on Twitter at wgta underscore fpl.
1: Yep, and our league codes are 516441 for the main league. Um, I'll probably close that to entries around game week five or six. And the code for the Zombie League, one last time, is 280665-58277. This is the last week the Zombie League will be open. So if you listen to this past game week two, it's all over. You can't join anymore. But if you do have a Zombie League team, which fits all the rules, you are able to join now for this one final week we'll be back next week for a game week two look over what we're going to be doing with our free transfers how we're going to be reacting to all the trends which are emerging uh, but for now thanks very much i hope this has assisted you and we'll speak to you next week yep see you later guys bye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist
0: sports social podcast network